Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Krista Van Ranst, Director of Talent, Teams, and Culture at Delbrook JKS. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is the podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Krista talks about what she learned about the importance of a CEO getting behind learning and development. We also talk about Delbrook JKS's approach to looking at learning as a grouping of experiential, mentoring, and formal training. Then we dive into onboarding, employee assessments, and much, much more. Many firms, both large and small, can learn a lot from what Krista has to say. So especially you CEOs, listen up and enjoy the show. Krista, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yep. Appreciate you taking the ride east <laughs> today. Um, Krista, I asked you to come. Um, I think it's no secret I'm kind of a fan of Delbrook's. I think anybody that listens understands I'm a fan of Delbrook. Um, people probably listen to Mike on the show. Um, I really feel like the things, the two big things that's done right is the culture and learning and development. Okay, um, That's not your full title anymore. You're doing much more kind of team and culture and things as well. But um, that's why I asked you here today. And I think you know that. Um, I'd really like to dig in. I think you guys, um, probably one of the top performers on the construction side when it comes to learning and development. I haven't seen everybody, but from who I, who I have seen, whether it's through the AGC or on my own, um, I haven't seen a program like it yet, so I think it's great, and I think everybody that listens uh, could learn from it. So that's kind of the hope. Um, Excellent. I know when I look at your background, I see two bigger firms. I see Suffolk Construction and TripAdvisor. And now this is my take on it, so if I'm wrong, <laughs> correct me. Don't don't hesitate. But um, I kind of got the sense that you were able to look at the bigger corporations, like because Suffolk has really moved beyond a local general contractor to a pretty large corporation. And then TripAdvisor obviously is cool. gigantic. Right. I don't know how many <laughs> employees are out there. You probably know a lot better. But um, that experience, am I right? Were you able to take pieces of what you learned from like their their corporate like procedures and systems and kind of bring some of that to Delbrook, but maybe not all of it because Delbrook is still kind of a local family business? How did that... How did the prior experience kind of inform what you're doing today? Yeah. Sorry for such a long question, no, but I wanted okay. to kind of preface where I was going because it was a little cloudy. Uh, so it's funny. I think when I started uh, at Delbrook, you know, there was an announcement and it was like the director of learning and development has started. And I only found out later that some people were like, WTF is a director of learning and development. Like, what the hell do we need one of these for? Yeah. Uh, and so it just kind of goes to that unknown in a lot of the smaller organizations. And so to answer your question, uh, Suffolk was my first job in learning and development as a whole. I, I also didn't know it existed before my role there. And so when I was hired, I did a lot of the coordination. I scheduled all of the formal classroom training where all of the employees would kind of come in. They would take a two hour, four hour, eight hour class, one week class make sure that I was tracking all attendance and that kind of thing. Um, I think one of the big things that I was able to take there or that I at least appreciated, and TripAdvisor had this too, was 
the culture is created from the top. And so at that time, John Fish would come in and he'd be there early and waiting to see if everyone attended. And if Mm -hmm. someone wasn't there, he'd call them up and be like, where are you? Get here. So it kind of showed the importance of learning and development. uh, I'm going to interrupt, but I guess that only has to happen once, right? And You're not going to want it, it to happen again. Yeah, no, and everybody that watched it is even going to know. Yeah. I'm sure where, where yeah. it spreads quickly. Yeah. Don't be late, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. At TripAdvisor, Steve Koffer did orientation every single time. So we had a full day orientation probably once a month for maybe up to 40, 50 new hires nice. every month. And he had the first two hours that he would speak oh, wow. about the company, answer any questions that people had. So once again, an opportunity that people got to meet, you know, a CEO at a company that is now probably 4,500 people. And I'm sure that he still does that. Mm. And that's the same that Mike. Mike is very much about Mike Fish, for anyone mm-hmm. that yeah. didn't know that, um, is very much about the culture. And the reason I came there, because he was so passionate about learning and development and is probably the best learner we have in the organization that it was like, how can I not come here when he is speaking so passionately about learning and development and the growth he wants for his organization. And leading by example, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, as I've, he talks about in his podcast, right. he teaches a class. Um, and, you know, I, I always recommend that for any CEO that if you can teach a class that you're passionate about and a topic you're passionate about, people are going to want to hear it. Mm. Now, like you look at Suffolk and they obviously commit a lot of resources. They used to have that entire building, right? Right. Just for, to hold classes in essentially. Right. Yeah. I mean, I taught there a couple of times, I think, and two story building. It's now, I think for the high school sports program or something like that. I think, I think. it's for BSA yeah. now. Yeah. But so they had a pretty intense investment and in, I think, that message kind of came through? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they also were big on having subject matter experts. So Jim Tracy kind of speaks about that as well, who was at Suffolk, is now at Delbrook, JKS. Uh, Mm -hmm. The idea of our own internal employees teaching other employees how to do things. So it's best if you're learning from the culture that's created, they're able to teach it you know, the Suffolk way, the Delbrook way, the TripAdvisor way. Uh, Pros of that are that, you know, I don't think I have to kind of speak to that. I just brought it up. Cons are that not everyone's a trainer and a teacher. And so there's always that struggle there with just the approach and the presentation. And honestly, a TripAdvisor, more often than not, we had external vendors. And that was the difference between kind of Suffolk and TripAdvisor was a lot of internal instructors versus external vendors mm-hmm. that we would hire out. Yeah, probably. But as you grow to TripAdvisor size, it probably becomes a lot more difficult to try and do that in-house, right? Just from a coordination standpoint, like... Along with a turnover standpoint, I mean, as a tech company, mm-hmm. uh, there's a 25% turnover every year. So oh, wow. oftentimes you're continuing to have to find who might be a new trainer and have to train them on a topic to make sure that the message is similar to anyone who was there before and anyone who is new. Mm. So the the theme there is that the person at the top is committed. Exactly. And um, what's the word is uh, leading, leading by, not just leading by example, but also showing up and showing it's important, it's importance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the last thing is just that 
one area that I think learning and development individuals outside of those companies have struggled with is measuring. And so TripAdvisor was something that was a place that uh, was all about metrics. Steve Coffer is, is very, very metrics driven in general. And so when I got there to do learning and development, it was known right from the beginning that if we want to be successful in learning and development, we need to show there's proof in the pudding. And that's not always easy because it's not a science experience right. uh, experiment. There's not like an independent, mm-hmm. but trying to measure and show that the value is there is okay. something that I learned. There. And that's something else you brought over, metrics. So exactly. metrics, and this was more not that you brought it over, but you recognized it in Mike, which was the leading from the top. Yeah. That, that creates a successful situation. So now you show up at Delbrook. What systems did you either take from there or learn along the way that you decided that needed to be in place? Because, you know, when you say you show up and they're like, what do we need a learning and development person for? Did they have someone that was at least handled, like, quotes for people listening, handling, oh, that person was in charge of training? Like, or was it nothing? Uh, Like, what was, how were they handling it prior? So I started April of 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, In January of that year, there was an exec meeting where they talk about what went well the prior year, what uh, they wanted to work on. And one of the main focus areas they brought up was training and development has been kind of a hobby for us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we know there's some areas that we need to work on. We'll ramp it up and we'll be great. And then we'll forget about it and it will kind of slide off. And they Uh, felt like they needed someone to really focus on that. That's a theme, right? (laughs) Because a few of the people that I work with, not you guys, but that's been their beef, which is they say like, okay, we can do it, but we put this person in charge. And often they, they're putting a relatively senior person who's quite busy, right? Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, why is a director or a C-suite level person going to be put in charge of training? Yes, they might have gr- a great breadth of knowledge and <laughs> show shows some importance, importance, but they can't execute and it's... There's three months where things are going great, and then it falls off. And that's where a lot of times when I am doing it, they're like, Joe, we just need someone that's going to, like, make sure we execute. Right. You know, and, like, get some time. Just follow up with us. Even if we yeah. have to do it, just tell us, hey, when are you going to do it? You know, that kind right. of thing. Um, so you show up on the scene. So, yeah. So there was, there was it was a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there were some programs going on, nothing substantial. So I showed up. Uh, I'll also give a shout out to my quick, I showed up six months pregnant, and that is not something that most companies uh, are willing to hire, hire to. Hire pregnant women? No, no. <laughs> um, I, I give him kudos more often than not on that. He, he since hired someone else that was the same way, uh, and so shows that he's in it for the long haul, not just uh, a quick hit and a quick yeah, win. Yeah. Well, you worked out, so he had a good draft record with it. <laughs> That's his secret sauce. Exactly. Hire all the pregnant ladies. We're really thankful. Um, but so I think, you know, my first, my first want was to speak with Mike, speak with the other executives and understand what the business needs were, where were they struggling? What were their kind of overall goals for the next one to three years? Uh, heard a few of those. There were some major losses. We wanted to kind of decrease the major losses. Diversification was a big one. And then also just, you know, 
Mike is a young CEO. He wants to be around for a while. He wanted to grow the company and he wanted his people to be there with him, not to have to hire externally. And so a big push on growing from within uh, and, and then improving the hiring process. And now did that translate to like a matrix or something like, um, so you have your needs, right? And now you've, so you've assessed the needs. Is it then, okay, how do we meet those needs or? Well, so, so there's the business needs. I think one of the fun things about learning and development is that you kind of get to see both sides. So I asked the business, but then I also met with a bunch of individuals. I tried to meet with over half of the company before in the first kind of three months just to understand, I asked three questions. You know, what are your needs as an individual? Where do you want to grow? Where do you want the team, or where can you see envision your team growing? And where would you do you want the company to grow? What what areas do does the company need to focus on? So, kind of trying to look at all three levels, and you know that was nice because then I just got to meet everyone, get to know one another. Yeah. Um, they got to understand a little bit more about what I did, and I was also able to then kind of start one program before I went out on maternity leave, like a full day program, and talk with them about how I was going to push out and roll out learning and development uh, in hopes of exciting them rather than terrifying them. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the most interesting you heard need you heard from people? Well, the one thing I will never Even if forget. It's funny, but, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. one thing I will never forget is Mike telling Mike Fish saying that he wanted me to offer something sexy. And I remember being like, well, I've never heard the word sexy before in learning and development, but I'm sure we can offer something sexy. Uh, luckily, uh, we, so that was that communicate with intention class. We offered that, uh, you know, right, right at the beginning and we offered it at the executive level first. And the fact that all of our executives took two full days to sit at in and kind of talk about communication, intention, objective, all of that kind of thing really showed me that they were all committed all committed for sure yeah i want to go back to that that's that's later on i don't uh, we're going to talk about that for a little bit okay um but okay so took the temperature of both sides of the aisle right yeah um the business needs individuals needs and then with that assessment you do what sorry i'm getting super in the weeds no that's okay like yeah i'm I'm curious about how it gets executed how it gets built because it's it's clearly not just hey, we're going to go offer a bunch of classes, right? This, right. And then I even want to go, probably drill down even further to like uh, how you track it and all that kind of stuff. So, okay. so what did you find out were the needs? Do you remember? I know it was a while ago. But. So, so yeah. So honestly, I went back to Mike and I was like, I promise I can offer something sexy, but there are also a lot of just the straightforward certification basics that our employees need that I'm not sure if you were aware of. So... We need to make sure our supers have all have their OSHA 30 and their CSL, and not everyone did. Um, you know, we need to make sure our PMs have their OSHA 10. We need to make sure that people are well versed in Procore and Microsoft Project, and that's, you know, three and a half late, three and a half years later, still an issue. Mm-hmm. And so there are pieces that are kind of reoccurring. Hopefully, I think we're, if we look back to where that benchmark was then, we're much higher now, but mm-hmm. it's still some of the same topics continue just whether that's through sophistication that is continuing to improve or continuing to hire new people. Yeah, just growth, right? right? Growth means you have to maintain that kind of constantly. Exactly. And although obviously you were 
trying to drive down turnover, but I'm sure there's some turnover, right? And right. Then there's the whole process of bringing all those people up to up to speed. Yeah. So, so yeah, the basics. Yeah. So, so kind of matrix that you you would ask about the matrix. Mm. Um, well, I was guessing you had a matrix. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, so your personality, a, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, two different things. Um, so, kind of was able to track just in Excel. Okay, who has some of these basics? Who has the and, and some of the work was done a little bit before me, so I am thankful to uh, Tammy Gallagher and many of the others that kind of helped gather some of that information before, um, able to kind of update that, see where we were at. And then my approach to learning and development is kind of called the 70-20-10 approach to learning and development. So if you think of a pie, mm-hmm. uh, 70% of that pie, or so I guess, let me, let me take a step back. If you think of a pie is everything you have ever learned in your entire life. So that could be crawling, walking, speaking, management, anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. 70% of what you would have learned in your lifetime is through experience. 20% is through social learning or mentoring. That could be managers, peers, teammates. Um, and then 10% is through formal training Training. and so if you think about you know if you're 22 a lot of that is for is you know you think of as formal training because you've been going to school for however many of those years Um, but as you continue to age that obviously decreases and you're not really going to the formal classroom nearly as much Mm -hmm. in the hopefully grand scheme of things in your life okay um no, so you you have that seven, that pie seventy twenty ten, mm-hmm. and then you applied it. How? Yeah. No. Uh, so so those ten percent that would have been the classroom training. So okay, let's look at let's offer some pro core classes. Let's offer, uh, you know, OSHA thirty CSL exam prep classes that kind of thing. Uh, there was a a mentoring program that was kind of in place. So ramping the mentor program up a bit more at Dalbrook JKS to. Kind of focus on that 20%. I would say that's the social, yeah. Yeah. I also think, you know, something that we've been doing more recently is focusing on manager development training. Uh, and that, I think, still goes to that 20%. My big, the thing I will talk about a lot is that you're going to have a, everyone has probably had a bad manager before, and hopefully they've had a good manager before. Unfortunately, you're learning either way. You're either learning mm-hmm. from that bad manager what you don't want to do, or subconsciously you're learning to become that person whether or not you wanted to be you're learning some of those pieces mm-hmm. uh, and then the 70 percent was the experiential and so a lot uh, one of the things that when i was hired mike really wanted to offer the opportunity for was a rotational program so mm-hmm. a two-year program rotating between project management field operations and estimating and so Obviously, there's that. That's where that seventy percent comes in, quite, quite mm. nicely. Uh, the learning opportunities aren't just for the employee who is in the rotational program. Program the project engineer, so they obviously are getting a huge experiential learning opportunity yeah. during, through that. Mm. However, at the same time an APM is having an opportunity to start delegating and maybe taking on 
work that a PM would do because they haven't this other person on their team that can take some of the work that the APM used to be doing or the assistant super used to be doing. So it's giving the APM or assistant super a chance to manage without the kind of stakes of truly being their manager and having to have as many difficult conversations and that kind of thing. Mm. And then it's offering PMs and supers the opportunity to kind of manage managers, which is a whole different level on itself Mm. and not being able to really be in the weeds and trying to push some of that down and, and help that. That's an interesting concept. So the lowest level employee being involved in what you guys call the SIP, you know, the training program has a upstream effect for sure on it's teaching people coaching, Mm. um, mentoring, Obviously, we've seen some are better than others at that, and that's okay. You know, it's also helping us as a company to figure out, okay, what, who is a better a good coach? manager, right? Yeah. Um, just naturally, and who might need a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. Not, It's not, oh, let's just, you know, never let them manage because they didn't do it well the first time. No, this is an mm. opportunity for us to figure out who might have uh, a little more work to do. Yeah. No, actually, that's great. In some cases, it, you know someone has some more work to do you try and it's still not a fit but now you learn that much earlier in the game because some people are in i think we've all seen people that are excellent executors or performers at their task right but are not good managers right and in some cases don't want to be managers Mm -hmm. so yeah no i like you know managing my project handling an excel Mm -hmm. spreadsheet that's where i'm counting that's all i want to do i don't want that's messy over there trying to manage people and emotions yeah. and all that kind of stuff so it, that is, if people actually figure that out it's always a nice hmm. light bulb moment because i think a lot of people think no my career path is this way i have to be a manager that's the next step in the process for me to be successful and that's not the case in any organization that i've been at hmm. i think companies need to create these learning paths for people who want to be individual contributors that can be successful without managing people they're like that yeah. is very much a possibility yeah it is funny i mean uh, despite the name project manager is not really or a lot of them aren't managing people you might be managing an apm if there's one in job but a lot of times it's not right? well i would disagree with you because you feel like they're managing subs yeah yeah and i think a lot of managing subs still goes to a lot of the management skills people need maybe not all of them so obviously like performance management you're not going to have to do the review or anything but Mm -hmm. you definitely have to motivate subs um you obviously have to delegate some of maybe not your work but understanding what they're doing you have to communicate with them you have to build a team Mm. um it's good to have yeah i'm not disagreeing with you i think that's i didn't think about that well i didn't think of it in that way i did think about subs but everybody has to do everything, right? What does right. the book, um, Daniel Pink, you gave me um, when, but he also did... Drive. Think, drive, but also I think it's called like something about sales. Everybody sell, everybody sells uh, or something. But yeah. the premise is it of, of it is that although you you think you're not in sales, you are selling things all day long. Mm-hmm. Your idea to your boss. You're, yeah. You're, so, yeah. and in some way, you're managing people, even though you're not technically a manager, right? Right, right. Um, but that's interesting how that flushes out. It's really just assessment having going on everywhere, right? Correct. By putting someone in that situation, they're assessing their own skills and their own capabilities and their own interests. Mm-hmm. 
you as a company can assess those same skills and either you know support them and get them to grow because that's what they really want and you think that they are good but just need some support right or you both agree that okay that's not for you and you're happy doing your spreadsheet you want to be a scheduler go for it you, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly and you don't want to be head of pre-construction you just want to schedule projects and you're awesome at it we love you right right, right. yeah so that's the SIP piece. You feel like there's some upstream the, or a lot of knock-on effects kind of all over the place, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, in that, you're using a combination of internal teachers, external teachers. You being one of them. <laughs> yes, me being one of them. Um, that's... Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a mixture. Uh, so when the SIP program, construction immersion program starts, mm-hmm. uh, we have a two-week onboarding period and I think that's another piece that we can talk about in a minute of onboarding in general and how Mm. that has an experiential opportunity and any company can put together a solid onboarding to make an an employee feel really special and valued when they first start and provide with learning opportunities that don't have to they don't really have to cost much money at all Um, but so so for the SIP program we do a two-week formal so we'll uh, go to different job sites and tour job sites, get to meet all of, you know, different supers that are out there, get to see different projects, the complexities at different levels. Uh, we'll do formal classroom training. We'll do F1 racing or escape the room, something kind of fun, mm-hmm. grab lunch so that, that the SIP program very much is kind of like a recruiting program from any sort of sport or college where you kind of all come in together and trying to get them to know one another more closely right at the beginning and then they'll all disband and go out go their own to their own projects and then once a month we try and bring them back in for a formal full day class uh, along with maybe a job site tour or shadowing of some sort once a month at least for the first six months and then it might be once a quarter after that it's funny i don't it makes all sense and i knew that you managed it but i never thought of onboarding as part of learning development, I thought of them just as two distinct things. Yeah. But um, your point is well taken. I think if you're at a place that does good onboarding, you probably don't appreciate it. But having come from a gone to a place where they didn't do any, yeah, it was really noticeable. Where right. they just like drop you out there. There was no like, all right, well, what am I supposed to do? Oh, go see your super. Yeah. And okay, and. Like little things, like even like the jackets, like right. you, like you have company logo on shirts and jackets and things like that. And here's your people, and you meet them, and this is how things are gonna go. This is what your first week will look like. I mean, I was dropped and said, okay, well, you know, do I have anything I need to do? Do I have a report <laughs> what after? Are my like roles? what? You know what I mean? There was, you yeah. know, maybe they gave you some kind of handbook, like read this, and like, okay, do I have to fill out a time card? Like, oh yeah, yeah, you'll have to get a time card. Yeah, you know, okay. It was basic stuff, like not even understanding how to code your time, you know what I mean? Because you're on salary. Right. And would it like, do I just put eight to four or do I put the really the time I was there? And right. like no one ever told any so of this stuff. So many questions. Right? Because you knew you were coming out of school. You have no idea. Right. Um, even if you're coming from another company though, like, you yeah. know, I my thought is that people's first day is their best day. You have the opportunity to make it their best day and then... It may go downhill from there, and mm-hmm. it has the opportunity to go down like a roller coaster, or it has the opportunity to go down more of a cross cross country skiing yep. approach. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you start it so low by not having some sort of onboarding, mm. you know, you're missing out on this great opportunity. I, I don't, so if you think of like a happiness scale, people don't automatically start happy and they don't automatically start pissed. Obviously they wouldn't mm. be there if they started pissed. They yep. usually start somewhere in the middle and you as a company have an opportunity to put them in to put them one somewhere. Of those camps. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so why not spend a little bit of time before show them that you value them coming here, that you mm-hmm. want them to be here for the long haul and that you're not just, you know, a body that is taking up space by by giving them a great experience and and then asking for feedback. And there will probably be a lot of things that you can continually update in your onboarding experience. And most of them aren't going to cost you any money. A lot of them no. aren't going to cost a lot of money. You know, and it changes your outlook on the company that you're working for. Like, I remember just little things like people would show up and they would, this is a time when um, phones were provided by the company, you know. Mm-hmm. So you show up, there would like be no phone, like, okay, is there a phone? Like, what am I, you, you know? Yeah. And... They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have to get it. We'll have to order you one. Like, oh, yeah, you should probably go see so-and-so. Like, oh, I don't know who so-and-so is. You know, right. and you just, just the experience can be yeah. so bad. Sometimes that still happens for us, but we, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so good, right? But, like, when it's done right, and when you're younger, that matters more. Like, when you're older, right. like. You're used to it. You've, you've, had, you've been around the block a little bit. You've seen the good and the bad, and you know that it's not. That big of a, right. a deal, but it still matters. Like, yeah. Do you, are you, it says something about how much they they value you going there, right? Right. To some degree. Um, and then when you're younger, like the SIPs, like I don't care if I get a jacket when I go to work somewhere, but when I was right out of school, I would have loved it. Yeah. You know, you want to be proud of the company you work for. And, you know, right. so I, I, it seems like they're little things, but they go yeah. a, lo- a long way. In, and in that goes, book. you know, if you think about the jacket piece, that goes a lot farther than just an employee feeling good you're walking around and there's, I guess, the pros and cons, right? Of yep. That employee is now marketing yep. and representing you as the company. So obviously, you you want to hope that you hired the right person to represent you well. Yep. Um, but that's a great recruiting opportunity, too, because other people are like, oh, I just saw that you, you know, that Delbrook JKS jacket that you've got on there. Like, yep. tell me about them. I, like, I didn't know you just, what you started working there. What are they like? And so, yep. you know, a, a little a little cheating that I guess I'm sharing, uh, I'll have to ask Mike if that was okay, is that for the SIP program, we'll send people uh, their gear at school before mm. they graduate so that there's a chance for them to kind of wear it around school and be proud that, you know, they're still in school, but they already had a job offer and they're starting yep. when they finish. And also a great way for us to kind of get our name out there at the, on those campuses. Absolutely. And then um, you also end up having an employee that's looking more professional. Right. Right. There's all kinds of really nice yeah. knock-on effects. Um, and, and I always, you know, I'm forever talking to people about, like, the entire experience matters. Right? Um, so, if, like, if there's an educational event or there's whatever event, like, the food matters. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It just it does. does. Right. The temperature of the room matters. Like, everything matters. And, yeah. yes, you, like... There's only so far you're going to go. But if you think that, like, those little things don't matter and the ability for someone to learn if they're hungry or hot goes, like, 
way down and then they rather than going somewhere and then going back with like oh it's it's great i love working at stonebrook we learned so much stuff and you know there's great food and i don't mind going down because like a person walking around saying that right versus someone who's like oh, i didn't learn anything because they couldn't because they were either hungry or yeah. hot or cold mm-hmm. or whatever and like oh the room was freaking crowded and like obviously we're not perf- perfection you know there's going to be right. a time where this thing's out of your control but i think that doesn't mean that you don't look at those little details. Those details matter. I think. Yeah. At least I, I think they do. You know, and I think you're right. I do. You know, I also want to think about the smaller companies that, like, they're like, oh, I can't budget for snacks for every single program or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? That's okay. You know, just have it at a certain time that maybe right after lunch where they ate, or right first thing in the morning before mm-hmm. that you hope that they ate breakfast or something along those lines. Like it's. It's not the end of the world, right. but if you can, it's a great addition to show the appreciation and also just make sure that there's no reason that they aren't paying attention. Yeah. And everyone can do odd onboarding, right? I mean, you don't have right. to have an entire gear package for everybody, but you can have a little something. Exactly. You know? And yeah. um, it's the effort that they're seeing. It's not the amount of clothes they're getting, right? You know, it's... 100%. Uh, yeah. Okay. So... Is assessment part of the program? Is the SIP piece? How about just for general project managers, C-level folks? Um, is it there's required training for them? Is there um, is it drop-in? Is it like how are you managing it? What does that process kind of look like? Uh, so I always think of learning and development a little bit a little bit like being a kindergarten teacher that you kind of have to corral adults um, because I think everyone has good intentions. Everyone wants to be attending, attending, mm-hmm. yeah. but then other stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. So we do have learning plans by role for most of the roles, especially the larger, if there's a large population of people in a role, such as a project manager, or assistant project manager, super, assistant super, uh, there are learning plan requirements for each of those roles. The project engineers uh, as well, and, and those might be a little bit more extensive because they have to learn a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I guess, I don't know, I, I think of it, and, and I got this from Waters Corporation, They their mindset on learning and development is training for all, more for some. That, once again, kind of that appreciation piece is everybody wants to, I think, learn. Everyone wants to know that they have an opportunity to learn something. And I think that there is definitely a training out there for every individual, even the people that is like, oh, I'm the only person, I'm the only HR person in my company. I'm the only marketing person in my company. That's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe they go to a conference that's external and they don't necessarily come to all the in-person sessions, but you want them to know that they're not forgotten. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then there's going to be you know, a lot of the operational folks that might get more, more or the managers more that might get more. And yeah, whether those are opportunities or, you know, I think there's different types of learners. Some of them are going to think that they're in jail every time that they're stuck in an office uh, yeah. for a half day or full day, an hour, whatever the case may be. Mm. Others are going to think they're on vacation and not pay much attention. And then you're going to have the people in the middle that are engaged. Yeah. So do you find that you you battle some of the, um, cultural stuff where um i know at least historically places i've worked if if i was going to a number of trainings 
they'd be like, you know. You gonna do your day yeah, job? Yeah. How many times are you gonna go on training? <laughs> why aren't you out on set? Like, yeah. Is that a cultural thing you try to work on, or? So once again, I think that comes from the top. That mic really pushes the importance of it. All of the executives do. Mm. Um, I remember one of the senior PMs sending me an email saying, like, I have an owner's meeting and a training at the same time. And he had, he emailed Jim Tracy as well. And he said, which one do I go to? And Jim responded very quickly back the training. Um, and so great. it goes to show, you know, if he had said the owner's meeting, there would probably be time and time again that it's I would get clear. an email last minute that they weren't coming. Yeah. Um, and going back to the corralling piece, I have to, Usually try and reach out to people a week before to confirm, hey, just just a reminder, this is on your calendar, are you mm-hmm. still coming? I usually tend to overbook most of my classes so that if and when, more likely when, you someone cancels no-shows. last minute, um, there's still a good amount of people so that we're not paying for a vendor. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then having two no or three people up. or no one show up. And, you know, the value obviously is vendors don't pay per person. They're charged per person. Mm. They charge of a lump sum and so you want to get as many people as you can depending on the size of the room and their you know maximums and things yeah okay and then the as far as any tracking that goes is it part of um employee evaluations or does it you know does it weigh on their performance or how do you guys look at that Or, or what philosophically what do you think about it i guess and then what do you actually do so, so this is where coming from larger companies, both of them had learning management systems that all the tracking could be done for you. You could sign up for classes mm-hmm. in these fancy systems and all the learning plans could be there when you were hired. It automatically you know, happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I knew it didn't make sense for a small company right at the beginning to have that. So a glorified Excel file is just fine to be able mm-hmm. to track that. Yep. Um, and then you know, maybe down the line you can get one. There's there's a plethora of them out there that are different, differing in cost. And yeah. But are you looking at that, though? Like, so, yeah, so whenever... okay, okay, Jim, Tracy, like, <laughs> you know, this this year, you know, this this year, you, you know, we had goals where you wanted to learn about X, Y, and Z, but you haven't attended right. any of the training. Like yeah. What, what happened? Right. So... Or like, or the inverse, which is... Wow, it's fantastic! I see you've gotten your CSL, your OSHA thirty, and your Procore training, and oh, and you, you know, got a certificate in whatever while you're at. Like, is that how? Is that the conversation? Uh, so the I, the performance reviews, while they are not learning and development based, I do think that there is a huge piece on learning that is an opportunity for companies of all sizes as well. I think. A lot of companies are getting rid of performance reviews. Um, I could kind of see either of them, but conversations and feedback need to happen. And and as long as the role is well-defined, those conversations are better. Uh, We have check-ins, informal check-ins at six months and then formal check-ins annually. Mm -hmm. And at the annual review, they ask for a training report for each individual and usually it's highlighted in red what courses they haven't completed and that's a conversation and they may say sometimes if they give me a report of hey these people are going to be having their review in the next month i may give a you know some extra information that this person is great at attending they they are always engaged in the programs and mm-hmm. 
you know, I've heard great things about them mentoring or coaching the SIPs. Mm. Or I may say this person <laughs> cancels on me nine times out of ten yeah. and isn't supporting the SIP and, and is, yeah. you know, yeah. pretty frustrating at times. And if you could help push that from your end, I would really appreciate that. And mm. usually I'll get from the executives like, I wish you would let me know this the second or third time because mm. hopefully we could have nipped nipped that in the bud. Mm-hmm. But bud. Bud. Yeah. Either um, one makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, long before that. Hmm. Okay. So it's a it's a tool. For right? sure. Yeah. And it's funny, I don't know where I stand on I'm not really a fan of the very formal reviews and like the systematic because it, it, the reality is where you have um varying conditions based off of the job you're on. Right. Right? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm working 60 hours, 70 hours a week and no, I'm not getting that training, but we needed an occupancy on this time and like to be like, oh, you didn't have your uh, XYZ training. Right. Like that's a, you know, a ding against you. I'd go, I'd go out of my mind. Yeah. Right. You know? And so that uh, I think definitely goes to the, so once again, kind of speaking so highly of Delbrook, the executives want to be very involved in all of the reviews and they spend almost an exhaustive amount of time before trying to gather information from it's a 360 approach, so people above that employee, people, peers, teammates, um, maybe if there's someone below them that, that is working for them, they want to gather all of that information, and then they uh, have a conversation. And I think that's, you know, as we were talking about not being necessarily the review person, the conversation is the bigger piece. And there's all sorts of things that you can check, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, how have you been doing? How are we doing as a company? What do you want to work on? Here's what we want you to work on. Okay. Let's do this together. Yeah. A couple of last things, and then I'll get off of badgering you on <laughs> every little nitty-gritty detail of it. But um, how much of it can be um, employee-driven versus someone comes to you and says, I'd like training on this? Or you know, how do you strike a balance between, you know, jumping for everybody that asked for something and then being responsive to the needs of employees. Like what's that kind of plus minus that you do, I guess. Yeah. So when I first started, I heard over and over and over again that people wanted time management training and I've seen time management training, the formal time management training a thousand times. And I usually hate it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, mostly because people are like, I don't have time to go to time management. <laughs> That's exactly training. what I thought of. Like you were saying it, but yeah. Um, and then when they do, it's all about like how to say no, and here are some time blockers and things. And I'm like, God, if I offer this to people right at the beginning, they're gonna be like, Who the hell brought this girl in? Mm-hmm. So I push back and push back and push back. And recently, someone brought up uh, meeting meeting management. And I was like, you know, I think there are a lot of things that time management and meeting management. Um, But so we are offering that this November. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read when in that Mm -hmm. mindset. I've read uh, a few other books and done a lot of research to to kind of put that content together of what I think would be best for our company Mm -hmm. uh, and also try and do it in a timely manner Mm -hmm. so that people can improve their meetings and that the agenda time 
all mm. that kind of thing, but with a, a limited amount on time management. So a part of me is still kind of getting away from that. Okay. What was the rest of your question? Um, no, that was that. That was it. That was the first half. I only asked you the first half, and then okay. now am I going to remember the second half? Um, oh wait. Uh, so I don't know if we'll use this or not, but. Um, oh yeah, we do very little editing, so we'll use it. <laughs> okay. Um, in addition to like other people have asked about their MBA, and as a company, we do offer tuition reimbursement. I always just push back on people to really understand why they want it. Where. You know, the tuition reimbursement is only a certain amount of money and more than likely people are going to have to spend more. And while it's a great education, it's expensive. And I'm someone anyone will tell you I'm a bit frugal. Mm -hmm. So I don't want people to be in debt for the rest of their lives or the next 20 years just because they went and got an MBA. In our industry, it's not that important. It's not going to be life-changingly different or provide them with a substantial raise. Mm-hmm. So I always tend to push people back on that. And then a lot of people with our subs, our sub base being a lot of Spanish and Portuguese speaking, mm-hmm. a lot of people have asked for Spanish or language training, and I am more than happy to offer that. Uh, we've gotten actually booklets that are construction, Spanish oh, for construction yeah. workers. Yep. And they come with uh, CDs that you can play in your car and listen to and mm-hmm. very standard terms. It's, it's really not an expensive book. Um, and there are plenty of apps out there and I tend to push people those two directions versus a sit down formal class because even at TripAdvisor where the, it was a global company and there were people speaking all different languages in every single office, Mm. we offered language classes and 40 people would sign up and eight would show up. And at the end of the day, it takes a lot of time and effort to really learn a language and while I understand what you want to do, it's better to learn like a few words and at least show the subs that you are trying. I think that goes a lot farther with subs that like, hey, I'm going to butcher this word, but I'm going to try and yeah. just show that I'm I'm making an effort on your end yeah. um, versus trying skill, to be, right? yeah, versus yeah. trying to be an expert in, in Spanish or Portuguese. I just, mm. that, that's going to take a long time. Okay. So it's going to be a case by case, but. Yeah. If it's, um, you seem to be a little more responsive on the technical stuff though. Um, it's been a big push. Um, I'm definitely more of a soft skills person. I just think as a, as construction manager, managers or general contractors, I think, you know, we don't build, well, I've been told in, in two companies of the three that I've worked for that are construction companies that we don't build buildings, we build people. Uh, so I do tend to focus more on the soft skills, but I know that the technical skills are important. And mm-hmm. so I've tried to make a concerted effort more recently and at it's, that. And it's less of a commitment, right? Like learning a language, getting an MBA, like that's much more of, right. uh, you know, happy to do it, investment, but, but you really want to be involved and invested. Yeah. Okay. So soft skills are... A, a big piece of this you alluded to the communicating with intent Correct. I thought that was fantastic you were kind enough to let me sit in mm-hmm. um, and I thought I was gonna just sit in for a short period of time to get a feel for it um, you know you offered because I had said there were some people that were asking me for beyond technical training and you know although I wasn't gonna be the one to teach it you know was there someone that I could at least recommend or work yeah. with or whatever um, they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Like very rarely 
can you shout out to pinnacle yes <laughs> yes very much so um working i mean having a training from eight to four i've never been engaged the entire time yeah and i've never not been at points where like okay this is painful like i just want to break right. right i was engaged start to finish yeah we broke for lunch and had a break here or there but right. engaged the whole time seeing especially the younger folks in the room go from beginning of the day with you know verbal tics in you know looking really uncomfortable because they would video you as you do it from the beginning of the day to the end of the day the transformation yeah was tremendous right. and i think about it from if i'm the business owner and i'm saying okay i'm going to send a 20 something year old in a meeting in a lot of cases with the owner and the architect and engineer the person i saw at the end of the day says a, something completely different about my company than the person at the beginning of the day. Right. And you didn't even get to see day two. I did not get to see day two. And I was bummed because they had a, a, a meeting already scheduled, so I couldn't. But, um, you know, that that's tremendous. And I think we can't touch on the wellness, but um, I want to move on just for the sake of time. But the technical, the time management, the public speaking, the leadership, um, and then the wellness piece that Mike and I talked a little bit about, like investing in employees, like that's development. That's developing the person right. from the health perspective and mm-hmm. access to good food and um, what's the meditation app? Um, Headspace, Headspace, you know, free access to Headspace. Like that's, that's you know, that's quite a package in helping an individual grow. And I look at it and say like, if, if I fit the mold, and this is where I think, it's a plus for both people, right? If I fit the mold, like, oh, and I, I feel like I am, and maybe others might feel differently, but like, I'm a lifelong learner. I always want to be learning. I yeah. love it. Like, that's why I do this, because I get to right. sit with people and learn, yeah. right? That's right. the benefit, right? Um, that attracts me to a Delbrook, because I'm saying, oh, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be able to improve and learn public speaking and whatever my weakness is, if it's a technical skill, whatever right. it is. I can learn that yeah. and they want me to learn that right. and I get brownie points for learning stuff I want to learn. Like I want to go there, but the knock-on effect is that attracts people that are lifelong learners and want to grow right. to the company. Right. right, for sure. And I think that really creates like an upward Cultural spiral. piece too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, culture and then like a positive spiral. Like, okay, right. we're attracting people that you need and you're attracting good people and not only are they good when they come in, but you're helping making them better, and that's just a really good. Right. And then you have better. Add pe- a little competition in there, maybe it's not. <laughs> Mike's not very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the worst thing. Yeah, but now you're having better people mentoring the next people and helping pull them up, right? Because yep. if you work with good people, yeah, it lifts you, right? right. You know. Well, and don't and even did... like we can't forget about the reverse mentoring opportunity that we're having of these new young kids that are coming in that are super technical, um, technically savvy, yeah. and they're mentoring the people that are working with them that maybe aren't as technically savvy. Yeah. Uh, and then hopefully, obviously, the, the mentors who have been in the company or been in the industry for 20 plus years, they're able to really s- explain the hmm. construction technical side of things. Yeah, and there's something to be said for um, just being motivated by if, if someone is young and shows up and they're learning and growing, 
like when I'm with younger people, like that keeps me young. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure I'll be like, wow, look at this young person. They're coming in. They're learning all this stuff. Like maybe I should get back to doing that. You know, and now granted, everybody's at a different place in their life, depending on family and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's nuanced, I'm sure. And I don't don't want to simplify it, but um, it's just all, I, I think there's just so many positives from really investing in your people like that. It's just, it's excellent. Um, Jesus, a lot I want to cover, and we are at 50 minutes. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about? Um, I know you really like disk and um, predictive index. Predictive index. I knew the index product was going to say performance <laughs> index. I'm like, it's not performance index, predictive index as um, measures of um, kind of analyzing where people are at and how to give them the best fit. Um, Could you talk a little bit about like why you chose predictive in disc versus Myers-Briggs or Gallup or what else is in the marketplace? And uh, what's the practicality? Because lots of people have taken these Mm -hmm. tests or assessments, whatever you want to call them. Um, Sometimes they seem to be used and really affected. Other times it's they're done and, oh, we did that and it's filed and it's never used as a tool. It's not a tool. It's just an assessment that gets done and then not used. Um, what's your take on it? Um, why do you like what you like? What's the pluses? What's the minuses of using them? Yeah. Uh, where do you use them? Is it in you know, matching teams, what, like, I have a bazillion questions on it, but I think I'll just <laughs> no, where do I start? slide, I'll slide it over to you and you kind of take it where you want, I guess. Okay. Um, so, so to be completely honest, I've used DISC because that was what I was taught at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I see Myers-Briggs, I do think it's more difficult to remember and you're not going to remember, is that person an EMJ whatever, or are they... Uh, I-S-Q-T, or I, I don't know all the, the letters, to be honest. Um, I'm, a, I'm an ENTP. So you know, wow, look and, at that. And I found it... Incredibly useful accurate. Good. Inaccurate. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Now, I don't know if my manager could do anything. To your point, is it too, con- is it too convoluted with, you know, 30-something different options or whatever right. it is? Like, I think that's probably a fair criticism of it right right yeah. well so so I guess so I I chose this because that was what I always had known mm-hmm. uh, at some point at TripAdvisor we did predictive index so I became certified in that as well um, and I like those in the sense that they're so everything is kind of these four dimensions mm-hmm. disc though it like the idea is that you could hopefully one once again it's all stereotyping in a sense but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll look at it as positive stereotyping for a moment of saying oh you know, um, Joe is a high I, and I know that because X, Y, and Z. Mm. And there's only one thing that you have to look at versus the four things that you have to look at with, with Myers-Briggs. Mm. Now, my hope with the program is whenever I'm teaching the workshop, I say, I hope that you get three things out of this. I hope that you have a better self-awareness of who you are and what makes you tick. I hope that you have a better understanding of how you can adapt your style for others um, because we are in this industry where we work with so many different types of people and 
so many different socioeconomic types of people. I mean, it's just this awesome opportunity for people that in this industry, it's um, kind of why I came back into it because I miss this crazy industry. Yeah, construction's awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then who I... Who wants th- to be an accountant? Like, <laughs> you know, like when you could go, you know, build buildings. Yeah, with no all brainer. these crazy different types hmm. of people. It's like I could work with a crane or a computer. Like, yeah. It's a no-brainer to me, but... <laughs> well, they, so. they tend to have to work with both, but mm, we'll just, yeah. we'll get rid of that. Um, and then the, the last thing is I usually try and tell some pretty wacky stories about myself to really hit this home. And so I'm always, you know, I'm saying that hopefully they can learn a little bit of craziness about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I think people, the self-awareness is, is, is big, more important to, to me, I guess. And I might take that back. Um, just as important is how you can communicate with others and how you can adapt your style. You, you know, there's going to be the person that sends you the one sentence email. And if you respond with three or four paragraphs back, they aren't going to read it. So it's good (laughs) to be able to know that and adapt and be like, oh, I want to give him all of this information. Okay. Why don't you just quick call him or her and get that information? Or how can you scale that back or vice versa? It's someone, maybe an architect is sending you four paragraphs of information and it's killing you, mm-hmm. but they're probably doing that. If you want to build that relationship, that's what is important to them. They are doing that because they feel that's the information that needs to be shared. And if you re- reply with one sentence or take a week to get back, that's going to be just as frustrating for them. So mm-hmm. it's important to understand what our natural styles are. Also important to know what's when we're stressed, how that might change. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> we recently, so, so Delbrook, uh, has recently changed to Predictive Index from DISC because it offers this great reporting on teams. And so what we like to do is like when a, when a team starts, let's have you all meet and look at your team report and let's mm. talk about it in a few different dimensions. And what I constantly will say is if I don't look at the people in this room, I just look at this piece of paper, here's what here's what's great or here's what concerns me looking Mm. at this piece of paper. And often teams are at the beginning and so they're all very nice to one another and they'll say, oh, well. Oh, that won't be a problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. And Or I'm not actually really like that. This isn't really important to me. And I'll say, listen, I get it. and, And I'm sure most of the time you can adapt. What this graph and what these types of tools are, are very impressive at documenting or or kind of extracting is how you are when you're stressed and so if I asked you right now to write with your or what are you right-handed or left-handed right okay so if I asked you to write with your left hand you could do it Mm -hmm. but if there was a time constraint or if you were stressed out the energy it takes to be able to write with your opposite hand you would just get rid of it and go back to your regular approach right and so these types of tools are best for, hey, when you're stressed, you can't play nice and adapt and do all that other thing. This is what is most important to you. And this is how you're going to do it. Mm. This is how you're going to communicate. This is how you're going to take action. This is how you're going to make decisions. There are pros to having those differences in the way that people are going to do them. And if a well-balanced team would have all of these different areas that they're thinking about with how they might communicate or how they might make decisions, 
that also comes with cons. And I try and explain like, hey, look, this is great. This team is really well balanced. Where you might struggle though, is that you're all going to think about this in a different way. You are com- going to most likely come to a better conclusion because you all think of it in different ways, but it might take a little longer and might be a little more frustrating in the yeah. meantime. Yeah. I mean, I've, I forget, I don't, I'm not sure who I was, who I had on when I was having this discussion, but it's very germane to what we're talking about now. So I'll repeat it. So forgive me if you've heard it before, but like, I felt like I learned more about, um, when you're talking about that dynamic and the communication really got me thinking about this, right? I learned more about um, what I was doing wrong than what I was doing right. And by understanding how I looked at things, so like knowing it, it's like the self-reflectiveness was really useful. I think that's the most value in there, okay. right? Because I had somebody that was working for me that was much more of would fall into like the more project manager type right i want to know what the guideposts are what the rules are what order do i do things in this and that i'm much more of a tell me what you need me to do and i'll I'll figure it done i'll get done Uh, Yeah. yeah tell me you need to get this thing from here to there and it's good don't come down and say Okay, take this, then go get a strap, then get a thing. Right. Like, you hired me to get it there, leave me yeah, alone, right. right? I'll do it the way that I think is best. Right, right. Yes, in this America. Beg for like, forgiveness rather than ask for permission, maybe. I yeah, don't know. Yep, there's, and I'll plead guilty if there's arrogance involved with that, right? But, like, that's what I would be annoyed by more information where other people that were working for me were like, Okay, you're just telling me to get it over there. How am I supposed to get it over there? So like... It's a great management tool. Great management tool. Yeah, when you think about that, like what two complete... They both make a lot of sense, right? Right, yep. You didn't hire me to tell me how to do it or everything. And like you're telling me to do something, tell me no way to do it, Right. right? Complete opposite ends of the spectrum. But I need to learn, okay, that's what I want. I want someone to tell me, get it over there, Joe. And I give them the thumbs up and say, all right, I'll get it over. Right. But I could not delegate in that manner. Right. I needed to say, okay, I need to give this person some guidance yeah. and a checklist that goes with that. What does right. it mean to move it over there? It means right. it'll be there at this time. It'll be, you know, at this temperature when when you walk away. Like, so that self-reflective piece, I think, is, um, I think the true the true value, at least what I noticed. Now I didn't, I haven't done the disc and predictive index. Yeah, um, it's but, the same. They're all mm, the same theory behind yeah. them. But I'm really fascinated by the that report. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. And then yeah. also just being able to share it. So I mean, you brought up something of like, there's a book called "What Got You Here Won't Get You There," an mm. idea that when, and you said it earlier on, even that you went a lot of the times our best doers become managers and we either ruin their lives because mm-hmm. now they're having to manage all these different people or they become can become successful and they can either way but that might be the the quick natural synopsis uh, and so it is an every new manager struggles when they get an employee that they're managing that is not exactly like them mm-hmm. and it's going to happen inevitably and it's always frustrating and so if you can at the beginning say hey look you know, here's this 
you're now going to be managing this person. Here's a quick relationship guide. Here's this information about them. Hmm. And hey, here's a couple things to know. You are super detail oriented. They aren't. That's okay. But here's what the, what is going to drive and motivate them. Yeah. And if you want them to be successful, you might want to try things a little bit different. Or maybe the opposite. Like you're not very detail oriented and this person is and they're going to struggle with you as a manager mm-hmm. when you are bending the rules or just telling them to go and do it because yeah. they want that. And you might just have to be upfront like, hey, I know that you are super de- detailed. I'm not, but I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that yours to an advantage. Like I'm going to use the fact that you're detail oriented as a strength for us together. Mm-hmm. And I want you to call me out when I'm not being detailed and I need to be. And yeah. I may push back on you every once in a while because I might not. I might not. Yeah, you're being too anal. Knock it off. Like we're just right. trying to. But it's better to have that. In, yeah, right? yeah. Know what like know what the expectations are. It will help that team or that relationship grow more quickly if you're just upfront and able to share that information. Um, and I know we're kind of low on time. No, uh, no, no. We're fine. We can always go long, and I can. Okay. <laughs> do whatever I have to do. Surprisingly. Okay. Uh, I asked people because sometimes I hit two hours, oh, like wow. occasionally, like yeah. if there was just a lot of air to cover and I floated it and I was like, do you want me to like split them in half, whatever? And like overwhelmingly it was like, nope, just, just keep it. Give me the two hours. Because Massachusetts, we're all driving for two hours anyway. There, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So go for um, it. So, so one of the theories, once again, um, around management and just team building in general is this theory called... Uh, forming, storming, norming, performing. Mm. And so whenever a new team starts, they are in the forming stage. And it's really important for leaders to be there to kind of explain everyone's roles and responsibilities and who's in charge of what. And everyone's usually very nice at that time because everyone's getting to know one another. It kind of goes back to that tried mindset that if you say something in a, you know, that somebody doesn't like, you're going to get kicked off and there's yep. going to be a tiger coming at you and you know, you're know you all alone. So you want yep. to be a part of that community or that tribe. I completely understand what you just said. Some people listen and go, I'm going to go, what the, what the hell is she talking about? A tiger? Where, where did the tiger come from? But <laughs> We're going I, I, back to, yeah, yeah. to caveman yeah, days. Yeah, I, so I, I know exactly where there. you're coming from. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I just couldn't pass that up. Um, and so there are time frames that that forming stage can take place in. And it's anywhere from two and a half months to, could be eight and a half months, depending you know. Depending on the length of the project and yeah. Well, not depending on the length no. of the project. Depending on how people, how willing people are to get to the next phase, to the storming phase. At some point, people are going to disagree on something. And you can't go over the storming phase. You can't go under it. You have to go through it. Mm-hmm. And so if people aren't willing to have the difficult conversations and speak up and share their disagreement, then that forming stage continues on longer. But if they're willing to be like... storming continues on longer. For the beginning. They don't get to storming because they're just been like... Oh, they're not willing to have the fight. Yeah. Yep. Um, But if they are more willing and if they hopefully have the roles and responsibilities and they have some of those other pieces in place, they're able to get to that next phase... And that one can be, once again, short or long, depending on how people are taking it. You, you want to hope that it's short so that you can get on to the next piece. But it's so important to be able to have that, have those disagreements, get into some of the sticky, uncomfortable stuff, because then 
Ed Sopel is a great person that I kind of look to. He's like, some of my best relationships came from difficult conversations or mm-hmm. a client who, you know, we didn't see eye to eye or we had, like, there was a project that had some difficulties or some complexities that we didn't see, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Ed says that so often. And I think it's, it's very true that, you know, some of the best projects or things that people, some of the best learning opportunities came from a project that you were on seven days a week, 20 mm-hmm. hours a day, and you were up until two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. But the pride that's there at the end is something that you can't replace. take. Yeah, yeah, you can't replace that. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with a team. It's like once you've been through something with someone, then you, you have it's their like back bond. and you yeah. want to kind of help them out. And another person comes and, you know, you're able to kind of share that experience. So once people get through that storming, the leader kind of doesn't have to be as much a part of it. And it goes to, you know, once you're kind of in that norming and then that performing stage, the leader could almost be out and half of the team could be replaced and that team would still be successful because they built that relationship, that trust. Mm. It's huge. Forming, storming, norming, performing. And then I think there's a fifth one. It's called like reforming or something whenever a project ends and might you know you have to kind of start over and and you can cycle through those like you may all of a sudden go back down um but more than likely Hmm. the hope is this stepping up okay so that's a concept right Mm -hmm. you share um a fair amount of concepts on social media linkedin kind of in particular so people are interested in this kind of stuff i think chris is worthwhile to follow um i remember you shared um, a study and it was like over four thousand execs so it wasn't like a small sample sometimes you see these studies and they 50 people yeah or not even like 20 we asked 20 companies and they're like what the hell does that even mean you know what i mean um but it was four thousand plus um execs and they were talking about how the need for, um, I actually wrote it down, so broad social and behavioral skills yeah. were kind of like a big need. And I, I, it tends to be like, a, a, if it's me just seeing a lot of the stuff you share, it seems like there's a little bit of theme that those skill sets are becoming more and more desirable or or lacking more and more. I don't know what which is true. Uh, whether they just needed more or they're lacking and then therefore we need yeah. to educate more on them. Um, but you tend to share a lot of that type of stuff. So I would say if people are interested in that discussion, um, look up Krista on LinkedIn. I think it would be um, a good way for you to learn. If you're listening to this conversation, like, hey, this is really cool stuff, you know, like the storming, forming, norming, and disc and all that kind of thing. Um, I'm really fascinated by it. So it's worth... Um, listening to Krista and hear what she has to say. Um, I do have a lot more, and we're at 110. So why don't we do this? Um, we can cut it, and we can always talk um, again. I was curious about, you know, your title being talent, teams, and culture, and kind of where that overlap is with learning development. So maybe we can have that conversation um, down the line in the future. And I just wanted to talk productivity stuff with you. But um, with that said, I always ask everybody, um, and I'm going to extend it. I've always said, what do you think we're going to see more of over the next one to two years? And what do you think we'll see less of? Um, 
I'm going to say one to five years, just to broaden it up and not be so much of a box. What do you think we'll see more of? What do you think we'll see less of? You can answer one or the other. You can answer them both. But what do you kind of see in the future as far as So I think there's, in terms of what we'll see more of, I think there's probably three things. Um, what does AI stand for again? Oh, yeah. Um, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Or machine um, learning sometimes. Yeah. So artificial intelligence is is it's the, it's here uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what capacity we'll see it in our industry but I from a learning and development perspective in general it will offer people the opportunity to have custom individual learning plans for each individual it will I can envision companies that are willing to invest in learning and development will be able to truly have individual learning plans for each employee versus just kind of having, overarching learning plans by role mm-hmm. uh, a person may say hey I want to focus specifically it's kind of like if you think about Amazon you bought this thing hey maybe you might like this mm. hey you attended this training maybe you'll also like this and mm. there's so much training out especially on the internet um, and there's there's different vendors and everything that whether it's in person online video um, blended learning there's so much out there that I think the AI will be able to kind of recommend more mm. to you based on certain things that people have attended in the past or books they've read and that kind of thing. And when you say blended, you just mean like a mix of online, in person, that type of thing? Yes. Okay. Thank right. you for clarifying. Uh, I think companies that have the ability to invest will invest in more custom in house video. One of the things that has always frustrated me about this industry is the lack of quality video content that's out there in the construction world especially technical mm-hmm. um i just find that it's death by powerpoint and mm-hmm. these old videos that just don't pertain anymore uh and then i think also that you will find more whole person learning a little bit like we talked about with the wellness mm-hmm. uh, financial management um i think all of that is you know you're investing in the person and for whatever reason, they're not always taught in college or in high school. And people are, are struggling and they're stressed about those areas. And if you want them to be more successful, if you invest in, in teaching them how to be a, a little healthier and financially or you know, nutritionally, it will benefit you as a business and also the appreciation that your employees are going to have with that gained knowledge. It's a, it's a no-brainer. You're singing my tune. <laughs> sleep, right? Yeah. The, the performance uptick on sleep. Right. Or the degradation without sleep. It's like the equivalent of, you know, driving drunk. Right. Right. So, yep. Sorry. <laughs> That's I, okay. I, I think what You're we'll in see. my wheelhouse there. I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir. Yeah. I think what we'll see less of are kind of what the stereotypical e-learning is called. So that's an online learning that was more than likely created as a, as a like I said, death by PowerPoint. It's a PowerPoint with some sort of audio over top of it, hmm. maybe a quick video, usually an hour in length, and the test at the end. And I just think people aren't going to listen to anymore. an hour. Yeah. Um, I mean, TED Talks right now are 18 minutes, and I think those are even becoming long for hmm. individuals to sit in and listen on. Hmm. Um, so I just, I don't think that those will be as valuable. Mm. Um, and I, you know, as you talked about with the article that I shared, soft skills are going to continue because more and more over the last 
however, at least decade, schools, colleges, high schools have been pushing STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and math. Mm -hmm. And we've lost our way a little. It's kind of that pendulum is like we've swung a little too far in that, in that direction. And we need to start balancing it out again with some of these soft skills. So, Mm -hmm. um, those can't be taught anywhere but in person. I don't believe. Mm. I, I'm sure someone could tell me otherwise, but mm. that's my current opinion on it. Okay. And so more of that, I think, is going to be beneficial in any industry. Awesome. Well, this was great. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. <clears throat> no, it was exciting. And uh, forgive me for... Uh, going so deep on that uh, first question and really <laughs> hounding you on details, but um, I think people could learn a lot from what you guys are doing, and you know, congratulations on the success. Um, it's happened pretty quick, so it's awesome, and thanks for coming out. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your support. Keep doing what you're doing, Mascons. We out. We out. We out.